The primary characteristic of God's heroes and champions found in Hebrews 11 has always surprised me. Because I would have thought the main characteristic, hey, this, this is my hero here, someone filled with love, because love's the greatest. If not love, I would have thought, no, no, person of prayer, because prayer shifts heaven. Or maybe holiness, being like Jesus, you know, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, long suffering. I, I would have thought, if I was had to enlist in my champions, I would have thought, that, that's what I would go after. But God doesn't. His champions are characterized by faith. It's called the Great Faith Chapter. You go through Moses and Joseph and Abraham and Ruth and the whole deal. Go right through the whole lot of them. His champions are uh, people of faith. And I guess the reason for that, I've worked it out, is that it actually takes faith to love everybody. It takes faith to see prayers answered. It takes faith to live a holy life. So we're saved by faith, we walk by faith, we live by faith, we move forward by faith. And Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so you could turn that around and say, faith is the thing that really pleases God. So I want us to look at a passage this morning, and I hope you've got a Bible with you, either on your iPhone or iPad or, or whatever else you might have, or actually got a Bible. Does anyone actually own a, still own a Bible? Give me a Yep, okay, there's about 20 of us who own Bibles. It's a good thing. But uh, if you've got it on iPad, go to Matthew 15, 21, because we're going to stay here the whole morning, all right? So it's going to come up there, but it's going to disappear, and then you'll need to be in the Scripture with me. <clears throat> so let's read it from verse 21 to 28. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she's a pain in the neck, or cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. He's really being nice to her, isn't he? And she said, yes, Lord, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And, your do- and her daughter was healed from that very hour. Well, he calls her, O woman, great is your faith. Faith And the Canaanite woman teaches us keys to having great faith. It's only said of one other person in all of Scripture, and that is a, the Roman centurion. Interestingly, both were Gentiles and not Jews. The mother probably worshipped the foreign god Ashati. We're not sure, but probably did. She's from Tyre and Sidon, so it's, it's possible. And that may have been fine while everything was going well. But when trouble came to her home, her gods were powerless to work for her. And the gods of this world, whether they be money or appearance or success or a sport, are all okay while everything's going well until you strike a real problem. When you strike a real problem, you've got to turn to where this mother turned to, and that was to Jesus, because he is the only source of real help 
that anyone might need in their lives. And most people have a problem like this woman does. Maybe they have a, a family problem, a finance problem, a health problem. But the same person that was the answer to her problem is the answer to your problem today. I say turn to Jesus with all your heart. There is no mountain too high. There is no valley too deep. There is no problem too hard for Jesus. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. He holds a future, your future, in His hands. Galatians 5, 6, 5 verse 6 says, Faith works through love. First key to great faith. This woman loved her daughter deeply, passionately, intensely. And that released faith, eventually great faith, in her life. So let's follow this through and let's see how it happens. Verse 21, he answered her not a word. She would have heard how Jesus had healed people because the word had got out. Dead were raised, the sick were healed, the lame were walking, the blind were seeing. But Jesus here acted like he didn't even hear her. He answered her, not a word. So imagine Jesus turns up and you say, hey, Jesus, you know, can you help me? And he just walks past and ignores you. We hate it when people ignore us, don't we? Ask a question, they ignore you. Some of you wives know what it's like. You know, you ask your husband a question, and they just ignore you. Well, that doesn't happen at West here, does it? Does that happen here? Anyone ever, any wife ever experienced that? Don't put your hand up because you'll probably be in trouble when you get home. But uh, anyway, people, uh, people get ignored. But imagine if God himself, Jesus, turned up and actually ignored you. It would be a pretty, um, pretty difficult thing to do. And she could have walked away, disappointed, offended. How many people have walked away from God because he hasn't answered their cry? Backslidden, disappeared. Okay, God, you're not hearing me? You're not answering? I'm out of here, buddy. I'm out of here. But she didn't. She, she hung around. She hung around because she loved her daughter so much and she was so desperate and because she had faith, she would put up with anything, anything to get what she was after. What are you having to put up with right now in your journey of faith to get the answer you want? Rejection, rebuke, criticism, disappointment. What are you having to? She was willing. You see, great faith will put up with anything to get the answer that it needs. Because faith works through love. Silence of Jesus tested her faith. And that's one of the great tests you're going to face is silence. Listen to this testimony from our church. God spoke to me to come to New Zealand many years ago, a number of years ago. Because of my encounter with God, it was the only time this person ever had a real encounter with God, they said. It was the first one they ever had. They knew God was calling them to New Zealand to follow a certain career. So he says, I thought everything, because of my encounter and the voice of God, I thought everything would be a walk in the park. Have you ever had a word from God? And you think, right, nailed it, I've got it. Well, this is what he had. But then he says, but from the time I got to New Zealand, it was anything but a walk in, a par- walk in the park. In fact, despite having a qualification... I had to study again for a year and a half. I met all these other problems. My friends began to mock my encounter with God and my coming to New Zealand. So there's obstacle after obstacle. He said, I prayed, but God was silent for two years. Heavens were brass, shut, closed, nothing happening. He said, I began to fall away from from God. 
Finally, God led me to Church Unlimited. My walk with Him was restored. When Pastor Tark spoke about prayers that get God's attention, I became very specific in my prayers about my God, about my job. Do you remember when I shared on that, friends, about Yongi Cho, how for 25 years you know, he had been healed of a tuberculosis, almost a life-threatening disease, but his bladder had not been healed. And God said, because you hadn't asked. And so he walked up and down his office for two and a half hours saying, bladder be healed, bladder be healed, bladder be healed, bladder be healed. Very specific. And he said, you've got to hit the nail on the head. Don't pray around the world. Go after that specific you thing you want. Hit it on the head and you will get your answer. This guy was in that meeting, prayers that God gets God's attention. So he thought, right, I'm going after this job. God, give me a job. God, give me a job. God, I don't know how he did it or how much he prayed or whatever. But he says, and he couldn't believe it. He said, literally two days. Remember, two years silence. Two days after hearing that message and praying specifically, he receives a call. He totally unexpected. And he now has a job. During two years of silence, God was working a miracle. So next, Jesus says to this woman, I hope you're following me in your Bibles, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. In other words, I wasn't sent to the Gentiles. I wasn't sent to non-Jews like you. Talk about setbacks. Talk about obstacles on the journey to faith and the journey to your breakthrough. It's what you're going to face. You will have obstructions. You will have rejections. You'll have disappointments. And she heard what Jesus was saying, that as an outsider, she had no right to make a claim on Jesus' power to heal. That would discourage most of us. It's almost like Jesus, it's like Jesus said, hey lady, ain't going to do it. Sorry, answer. It sounded like no. Hey, you're an outsider. You're not a Jew, and I don't heal non-Jews. That's, that's what it would have sounded like. I think if God said that to me, and I thought, okay, God, you've said no, I'd say, right, I'm out of here. Not this woman. Her great faith begins to emerge. That despite all the discouragement, she will not give up. I wonder if there's anyone here today and you've given up. On that miracle you thought was coming your way. But somehow you've just let it go. God's going to awaken your faith, I believe, this morning. See, great faith defies human thinking. Tuvalu, take a nation for Jesus. I tell people that, and you can see the smirk on their faces. Like, you can't do that. You can't take a nation for Jesus. Faith says, yes, we can. Not only we can, we will. We will. We will. We will. We will. I've read through the report from the reports from the team that's just been up there, and it's telling me loud and clear, we will take this nation for Jesus. Thank you for those five claps. So she's facing obstacles. What would she do next in a journey to great faith? Watch this. There's all this rejection, rebuff. Jesus said, look, I, you know, you're not a Jew and you're a Gentile, etc., etc." Verse 25, she came and worshipped him. 
saying, Lord, help me. Isn't that amazing? Despite all the rejection, she didn't walk away from God. She didn't say, I'm out of church. I'm going to go and jump. God's turned me down. No, no. She reverses it. And now she kneels in one translation, I'm sure it says, and she begins to worship Jesus. I reckon she knew there was a kindness in Jesus, and she was appealing to that aspect of that nature. Remember Hannah in the Old Testament and Samuel? She's wanting kids. She's barren. It's a great reproach in those days. She can't have kids. What's worse is Hannah's, uh, the, uh, the other wife of her husband has, lots of, has a number of kids, and she would mock Hannah all the time. And so this was a great heartache. It was just, just terrible for Hannah. What did Hannah do? If you read the story, Hannah would go to the temple every year and worship God. In the midst of her pain and suffering, she would worship. When God was silent, she worshipped, just like the Canaanite woman worshipped when God was, in a sense, silent to her. And in the end, both of them got the desires of their heart. So what do you do when God is silent? When there's no word of guidance? There's no healing, there's no breakthrough, there's no financial provision. You pray and pray and pray and nothing is happening. What do you do? Can I say, be like these two great women and just keep worshipping Jesus. Counter all the discouragement with more worship. I say sing louder, praise harder, even jump, even shout, even sing, even dance, do something. But if in the face of all adversity, the best thing you can do is worship Jesus with every ounce of your being. Why? Why, why, why? Because He is the only answer. There is no answer. There is no other answer. He is the only one. And if you're going to get an answer from the only one who can give you an answer, I'm telling you, get on your knees, get on your face, and worship with every ounce of strength you have got. If you only get to church twice a, twice a month, make it three times a month. If you only come one service a Sunday, make it two. Whatever. Get in there and give Jesus everything you've got because you're going to position yourself. What would have happened if she had not worshipped? His story probably wouldn't be in the Bible. Do you need to come back to worship? Do you need to come back to a passionate love for Jesus that you maybe once had in the face of all opposition? It's interesting. I've observed people over the years. And when people face opposition, obstacles, discouragement, people go in one direct, two directions. Some of them move back from God. They just walk away, back away from God, take a back seat. Others push into God. Isn't it amazing? One or the other. People like push in or move away. But my Bible says the righteous run into the name of the Lord. Maybe that's a decision you need to make today. You've backed away, but you're now knowing the key to your miracle and great faith is you've got to push in and get closer to God, closer than ever before. However, things get worse. Jesus spoke to the woman and said, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. So now she's called a dog. Anyone ever called you a dog? What did you do? Did you sort of send them an extra Christmas present? Or what did you do? Called a dog. It's not right to toss it to the dogs. She knew what he was saying. See, look what he's saying. The Jews, Jews were the children and the Gentiles were the dogs, the non-Jews. Everyone knew that. And the Jews saw God's blessing as a children's bread. 
See, they saw it as their bread. It belonged to them. Gentiles were outsiders. They were dogs. They didn't get any bread. And maybe the Jews who watched this Canaanite woman, they're just, you know, they're watching on, begging Jesus to heal her child, the daughter. They're thinking to themselves, hey, the kingdom of God, the power of God, the healing is for us Jews, and we're not going to let the dogs in. Imagine a family in our church run a life group, got three kids and two dogs. I know some who have that. I won't mention names. Dogs put out, the dogs are put out, and everyone said, do not let the dogs in. All right? Clear instructions from mum. The mum says that you do what you're told, all right? I'm giving you just some good advice here right now. So mother puts out the plate of crackers and the cheese and the chocolate biscuits. A few minutes before all the people arrive for life group, somehow the dogs get in, and they can make a mess. They eat the chocolate biscuits. All the crackers are gone. The, the cheese is gone, there's footprints on the floor, there's dog hair all over the place, and they make an absolute mess. And everyone shouts out, who let the dogs in? <laughs> so who let the Gentile dogs into the kingdom of God? It was God himself. God let the dogs in when he sent his son Jesus to smash down the door of salvation and make a way for Gentiles like you and me to come in. Aren't you glad he let the dogs in? Because that's us. We're the dogs that are being allowed into the kingdom of God. And it's going to get better soon, not yet. Still, nobody wants to be called a dog. In Jesus' day, most dogs were mean, ugly, stray scavengers. Awful. But when Jesus suggested the Canaanite woman was a dog. He wasn't calling her by one of those stray dogs. He uses another word. He wasn't insulting her. He wasn't shutting the door. In fact, he was using a word that talks about a little dog, actually a lovely pet dog. Lovely pet dog. Immediately, her great faith sees a glimmer of hope. The door is ajar, just marginally. I'm not a scavenger. I'm a pet dog. Aha. Can pet dogs get anything from the master's table? Watch this. Firstly, let me say this. Mark 7, 27, another verse says, Jesus says, let the children be filled first. It's not in Matthew. It's in Mark. So she's smart. The word first suggests that there will be a second. First, the Jews. Jesus always intended first the Jews, then the Gentiles. She sees the door open. So the woman responds, yes, Lord. Yet even little dogs under the table eat the crumbs of the children. So she's saying, God, first the Jews, but then me, a Gentile. See, she admits she's an outsider. She admits she's a dog, no right to claim a child's portion. But she just asks for the crumbs. She realized that a pet dog has a master. And so she's starting to think, think to herself, okay, call me a dog, that's okay. But if I'm a pet dog, it means I've got a master. Stray dogs have to fend for themselves. 
But if I'm a pet dog and I have a master who's going to provide for me, Jesus, you are my master. And I know you're going to provide for my need. Friends, that is great faith. How do you treat pet dogs? You feed them, you shelter them, you care for them. They're part of the family. What incredible insight and faith this Canaanite woman had that she only needed a few crumbs from that master's table. She did not need a loaf of bread that I've got here to demonstrate my story today. Daily wheat meal toast, all right, for those who like it. Please do not touch it. I need it for three services. She didn't need a whole loaf of bread. In fact, she didn't even need a slice of bread. All she needed was a few crumbs or one crumb from under the table, under the master's, just one crumb like that, friends, was all that she needed. You see, friends, just a crumb of God's blessing, a crumb of God's power, one little crumb of what Jesus had would do the trick to heal her and settle her, set her free. She didn't need a loaf. She didn't need a slice. Just one touch of the hem of his garment. One scrap from God can do mighty miracles. A mustard seed of faith is enough. One crumb, one moment with God, one whisper, one breath, one gentle breeze is all you need for your miracle. You don't need an angel to appear to you. You don't need fire from heaven. Our God is so great. Our God is so powerful. Just one crumb. One measly little crumb contains enough to work any miracle you need in your life. You don't have to cry out for some uh, dramatic moment in your life. You don't have to uh, you know, think that you've got to get into some special position. All you need, friends, is a crumb. Just a crumb. You may think, God, I, I, I don't deserve a, a loaf of bread. I, I'm not at that standard. Lord, I can't even ask for a, a, a slice But God, I I think I can believe for a crumb. All you need for your miracle is a crumb of God's power. It's all you need. Let that faith rise in your heart. We talk about taking a nation for Jesus to our friends. We don't need a loaf of bread to do it. We don't. We don't even need a slice of bread to do it. Friends, there's enough power in this crumb to shake a nation for Jesus Christ. See, we have to understand the immenseness of God's power. He created the heavens and the earth, friends. In just a moment, he spoke the word, let there be. There was light. Let there be. There was earth. There was firmament. There were billions of stars in the galaxy. That's his power. If he unleashed his power, he'd blow us all off the planet. Best we just ask for a crumb because it's probably about as much power as you and I can handle. It's all you need. And you know, she was humble. She was okay with being called a dog. And your journey to great faith, there's going to be seasons where you need great humility. Don't get on your high horse. <laughs> be demanding this and that. And You know, she's got no why me, God. Know why the suffering? She's not bitter. She's humble. And that's the right posture to get a miracle. James 4.10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. A while ago, I was really struggling. Not that long ago, just in an area of my life and area of my church ministry and all that sort of stuff that 
That's where I live and breathe. And so it means a lot to me. And I was, I was struggling. I was struggling so bad. And it went on for months and months. And I'd wake up depressed and discouraged. And it was, it was just a really, really tough time. One of the more difficult times I've been through over the years. I mean, there's been worse than that. But this, this, was, this was had a level of intensity about it. Finally, I got enough courage to humble myself. See, I told no one on the planet, apart from God. I found enough courage to humble myself, and I, I talked to Adrienne about it. Just shared with her. And being the fantastic, wonderful, listening person that she is, she just prayed for me. Right there and then, she said, okay, let me pray. I'm telling you, in that moment, in that prayer, everything changed. The, the anxiety, the, the, the discouragement, the depression, it, it just lifted. But not only did it lift, it actually released God's power to work mightily for me in the area I was so troubled about. But it took a step of real humility to own up and say, hey, look, this is too tough for me. I can't handle this. And this woman was humble, but she was also persistent. She had shameless persistence. You read through that. There's no getting rid of this lady. I want you to become like that with God. God, you're just not going to get rid of me. I'm after what I'm after. I'm after what I believe you've told me. God, I'm after, for, after more of you. I'm after my miracle. And God, God, you ain't going to get rid of me. You can discourage me. You can call me a dog. You can call me a Gentile. You can, you can say that you don't get the children's bread. You can, God, you can, say, you can go silent on me. People can mock me, but God, you will not get rid of me. Shameless persistence. Is anyone getting something out of this this morning? Are we doing all right? Okay. God loves it. See, when our kids persist in getting their way, it drives us crazy. Like, shut up. Not now. How many times do I have to tell you? Shh. They still keep going anyway. Drives us insane. But God loves it. He loves it. Just keep asking him. Keep asking him. In fact, I'm asking someone for something right now in another country, and I just won't stop asking. They sent me an email recently and they said, you, are, you like, are you like that widow woman with the unjust judge? Do you, do you not give up? And I just answered back and said, no, I'm just going to keep trying. I'll tell you the story one day, all right? Persistence. You just keep at it. Just keep it. She kept at it and God loves it. See, he loves Jacobs who will wrestle with an angel all night and says, God, hey, I will not let you go, God, until you bless me. And so God loves that, and he responds to that kind of persistence. I read about a well-known Christian leader, struggled for years with a serious porn addiction. He prayed for it for year after year. When he finally got free, listen to what he said. He says, I can't tell you why a prayer that has been prayed for 10 years is answered after 1,000 requests when God has met the first 999 with silence. He said, I can't tell you, but I can tell you the thousandth prayer was answered. Persistence 
pays. Persistence gets a result. So the woman of Cana could have called it a day after so many discouragement, but great faith never calls it a day. Can I say never give up on believing for your miracle, for your breakthrough? Jesus said, oh woman, you have great faith. See, I like that word great. It comes from a form of the word for mega. You know, mega bucks, mega centers, mega churches. This woman had mega faith. Wouldn't you love to have mega faith? Right now, God is calling Church Unlimited to mega faith. Mega faith to see the fulfillment of his promises, to take a nation for Jesus, to take New Zealand for Jesus and beyond, to have a whole lot more campuses, acceleration of expansion, new era of conquest, global ministers, leave me astound. The list goes on and on and on. Friends, we're going to need mega faith, 5,600 in the trust arena. We need an injection of faith to fulfill the destiny that God has ordained for you and for me and for our church. And God's going to keep building that faith into our lives. Finally, as I close it out now, she believed what Jesus said. Mark 7, 29 to 30 says it this way. He said to her, for this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to a house, she found the demon gone and her daughter lying on the bed. So once Jesus said the word, she believed it and left. That's great faith. She went home as he told her to. No further questions, no further discussions. She didn't demand any more proof. Jesus said it. That was enough for her. Done. Acceleration of expansion, done. More campuses, done. New era of Congress, done. Take a notion for Jesus, done. No more questions, no more discussions, no more arguments, no more debates. That is great faith. Great faith believes what God says. It takes God at his word. It says, I, you, God, you said it, I believe it. That seals it. That, that's done. It's good enough for me. That is great faith. And friends, I wonder, I wonder, what has God spoken to you? What verses have you got? What promises? What prophecies? Are you taking God at his word? Are you saying, thank you, God, you've said it. I believe it. It's mine. I'm going to take it. Are you exercising faith for it? Are you expecting it to, to come to pass? You see, that's where she had great faith. God said it, and that was enough. She believed it. And I seriously wonder, friends, Seriously wonder how many words you and I have had from God and we simply don't exercise faith for them. They just sit there suspended in the unseen realm of the Spirit, waiting for the day where you're going to believe what God said and you're going to exercise faith for what He said and you're going to pull it down from the unseen world and see it manifest upon the earth. You see, friends, it all comes back to faith, believing faith, believing God, believing what God has spoken and what God has said. Let's not question what God has said, but exercise faith for them to be fulfilled. So what's your need today? What's your struggle? No matter how desperate you may feel today, how difficult your situation, be like this woman. This woman of great faith. What did she do? Number one, she turned to Jesus with all her heart. That's step number one. 
Number two, she did not let silence stop her maintaining her faith. And instead, she worshipped Jesus. So she ramped up her worship, if you like. She pushed into God even further. She didn't back away. She went in deeper because she knew he only was the answer. There was no other answer anywhere else. She was humble. I think humility is more powerful than we realize. I think it has a, a great, it's a more important posture with God than we realize. God, just, just, just a few crumbs, please. There's no high-level demand. It's not God do, you know, this, that. It was, it was a humility of heart. You know, one of the greatest, the thing that put Satan out of heaven was pride. I read a statement a while ago, went like this. When God blesses us, we can tend to walk with our heads held higher than we should. Hmm. God blesses us. Somehow, something lifts inside. Be so careful, friends. Just walk with all humility for God. Maintain that posture, and God will give you more blessing. Then she persisted. There's no getting rid of the Canaanite woman. Then she believed what God had spoken to her. Believe what God has spoken to you. The power of God as the musicians come, that parted the Red Sea. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead and healed the Canaanite woman's daughter is the same power that's available for your need today. God can do anything. And all you need is just one little crumb of God's power. And that's enough for your miracle, your healing, your breakthrough, your answer, your victory in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.